Good morning. I have some announcements to start off. Um, I'd like to remind everybody that membership classes are coming up to see James if you're interested in becoming a member of the church. Um, oh, and after service today, there is a meeting for teachers, nursery workers, and greeters. And also remember that the installation of James is next week. <laughs> so get out your tiaras and ball gowns and come and celebrate with us. <laughs> And if you're at home, please share this live stream. That would be great. And if you're here, welcome. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I texted James uh, earlier this week because um, everything that's happening, you know, I've been really distressed. And um, I've been praying, and that prayer turned into worship. And I was led to so much scripture, and I was just rejoicing the entire day, and I thought for sure that God wanted me to share it with you, and I was so excited, but then last night at 2 a.m., I was woken by more scripture, <laughs> and it's, it's interesting how that works. I was up from 2 a.m. until 4 a.m., so I'm very tired, just being bombarded with scripture, and I got up, and I was reading and, and writing and trying to connect the dots because I know that there's a message in this that God wants us to hear right now in this time. <laughs> I just saw someone I haven't seen in a long time. I'm so happy. Hi. Um, anyways, and I'm going to be reading mostly from my, my notes because I don't trust myself right now. And the scripture, the things that woke me up is my mind was thinking about scales and measurements and I was thinking about revelations when God told, um, or where Jesus asked John to measure the temple. And that led me thinking about the measuring rods. And God sets standards. God is the measuring rod. In Proverbs um, 16.11, honest scales and balances belong to the Lord. All weights in the bag are of his making. What this is, is this is our measurement of standard. That there is, like I said, I didn't trust myself. I should be reading my notes. Um, in Israel, they had what was called a shekel. And in the, in the temple, there was the shekel in which all measurements were to be, all shekels were to be measured according to that shekel. But as time has gone on, our money has lost value. Our money doesn't measure up to that shekel. And if you look at like a dime, a dime used to represent a dime. There, there was silver. But sandwiched in that dime between the silver, you'll notice that there's copper and there's other elements. And our money has become devalued little by little. And our money is basically worthless. It's supposed to represent a standard but it's been so defiled by other elements that there is no more, stuff, uh, no more value in there like it was supposed to represent. And in that way, that's how we have become as a society. Our standards are supposed to measure up to God's standards, but instead we've introduced humanity's standards. And when you remove God as the pure and perfect element and standard of measurement, 
There's confusion. There is no more standard. The standard fluctuates, and the value is lost. In Lamentations, Lamentations 4.1, the author writes how the gold has lost its luster. The fine gold becomes dull. The sacred gems are scattered at every street corner. This scripture is about the people. It's not actually about gold. It is comparing the people to gold. The gold was once the luster reflecting God's standards, but they become dull and worthless. And I see that going on today. And it's been going on for a long time. We can't really blame it on current, you know, uh, political people because it's been going on for a long time. Every leader we've had has been corrupt in some way, shape, or form because his standards did not measure to God. And when the time comes, when judgment day comes, are we going to measure up? Are we going to balance that scale? Are we going to measure up to that shekel? And the answer is we won't. We have all lost our value in some way, shape, or form. And it's exciting because God knows this and God sent the answer to this. His son came and he is that standard. He meets that increment, that scale, and he's perfect. And he will step onto that scale for us. He will be what goes in place of us instead of being judged by the things we've defiled that measurement. And I'd like to remind you right now, if, if my son, my handsome son, was holding a candle, a single candle lit right now, in the middle of the room, you probably wouldn't even notice it. But if you turned off all these lights, shut the doors, it would stand out. You would see it. And right now, as it's getting dimmer and dimmer and the gold is dimming out, we're going to shine. If you reflect God's glory, you remain in his word, true to him, loving him, you are going to stand out. And I have a feeling more than ever people are going to be seeking this light. There is people lost, and it's getting darker and darker, and there's going to be people who are tired of fumbling around in the dark. They're going to be looking for that scale, that light shining. Be that light. It's up to us to keep on shining, to be that gold, to to show them the value and give them the good news that, hey, there's a Savior. When it comes time to be judged, even though you've fallen short, there is a perfect offering a love sacrifice that was made for you. And that's the God we worship today. That is the God we come to sing to and praise and love and thank. A God that did that for us. Could you stand, please? (laughs) Father, thank you. Thank you for seeing that we will never be able to meet those standards. You are so glorious and perfect, and you have called us as your people to be holy as you are holy. And we fall and we stumble, but yet you personally have picked us up. You said, come to me for all those who are heavy burdened, and you've taken on that yoke, and you walk beside us. And you died for us. You shed blood to pay for our sins.
Father, we worship you. I pray that every heart will, will be offered to you today. If there is someone that is, hasn't quite done that, who hasn't quite accepted you, hasn't quite known you, that today will be the day. And her song will rise up, a sweet sound to you, a pleasing sound, in harmony with all creation. For your glory, for your name forever. Amen. Oh, oh, oh. 
may be seated. I just want to thank you, praise team. I want to thank you, Adria, for following the Holy Spirit's leading. It can be scary. It can be awkward. But isn't it cool when God just puts it together and we're all on the same page? I mean, amen. Oh, man, that's why it's so important for all of us. I, I hope you see that. I hope you realize how important you are and how important it is for you to follow the Holy Spirit's leading if this church is going to be the church, right? Because God, I'm sure, is speaking to you, calling you, and has a job for you, and I am so excited to be a part of that. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm serious when I say this, man. You know, I'm praying, if I get in the way, get me out of the way, right? Get me out of the way. I don't want to get in the way of what the Holy Spirit is doing. But I am excited. I'm excited for that. Uh, how are you doing with carrying the box with the team lift? How are you doing that? Uh, did you grab uh, uh, somebody's picture from up there? Did you have a chance to talk to them? Or were you like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I, you know, how many were you like that? You don't have to raise your hand because I don't want you to embarrass yourself. All right. Yeah. But hey, listen, here's what you need to do. Pray for them. 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 And the Holy Spirit, I guarantee you, will lead you in a direction of what to do. Okay? So don't, don't feel bad if you're like chickened out, you know, and you're like, I don't know what to do. And man, you know, just start off praying for them. All right? And then maybe call them or send them a text or send them a card. Hey, I'm thinking about you. Is there anything you need? Is there anything I can do for you? Um, you know, I... God laid you on my heart. I picked your picture. You don't tell them that, you know, from that board. But I just want to know how you're doing, you know. And then let the Holy Spirit lead the conversation. Don't try to force it. Don't try to do anything. Don't try to, like, you know, I don't know, whatever. Just let the Holy Spirit lead with that. All right, that's what, we're, that's what we need to do. That's what we're called to do. All right, so got your, got your things to do. Just pray. Pray for them. Let them supernaturally reveal, open your eyes to whatever might be going on in their situation, and then just talk to them and, and let, them, let the Holy Spirit lead that uh, thing. All right. All right. Installation service. All right. This is, this is next week installation service or impeachment service, whichever one you want to make it. All right. So you've you, you got you a choice here. You're either going to go with it or you're not going to go with it. I want to. I want, I'm inviting people to it. I want you to invite your friends and your family members to it. Um, I got the message already. I think sometimes God changes that last minute, but I'm excited to preach this message. And it probably will change, so I probably should not even say that. Uh, but I'm excited for next week to make it official. Make it official. All right? Um, can I tell you something cool? We were, we were talking about carrying the box and everything like that. And I mentioned, wouldn't it be cool if, if we found a way to reach out to those people in nursing homes, all right? And I found out from a teenager, from a teenager, that God was leading them in that direction already. He was, he was leading this person to reach out to them. They, they messaged their teachers, tried to go that route, didn't turn out so well. But I'm confident that God will help them in this direction, will help them reach out to these people in nursing homes that are that are desperate for interaction, right? Desperate for interaction. I can't wait to see what God does do that. But teenager, you're not too young, right? You're not too old. You're not too whatever for God to use you. So the question is, though, I guess, are there any moments of solitude in your life 
that you are able to hear from God in that still small voice. I don't know about you, but sometimes life is just so busy and so jam-packed, and I got to have the TV on, I got to be listening to something, you know, I don't like it when it gets quiet, and I'm wondering, you know, if I should just shut it off. Yeah, shut it off. Get some alone time with God so that He can speak to you, that He can call you to those things, right? Because it's like an exciting ride. All right, so I'm excited to hear that. And I'm trying to think, um, just to reiterate what, what Adria said. So I want to get back to children's church during the service. So if you are a teacher willing to be a teacher, if you are a greeter, I want to make sure we get our greeters back. Um, if you are willing to be a part of that, you were a part of that, or you're willing to be a part of that nursery, just stick around after church while we're going to have a quick quick service, quick message about that. All right, so that's what that is about. All right, we're going to be in our Bibles in Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 3. Before we get there, though, let's do a time of prayer and see if there's any prayer requests. I want to share some things. We are going to pray for our nation and the direction that we're heading. All right, this is no surprise to God. This is is nothing. I kind of feel like um, we're headed in a good direction. All right, and I know that our faith and our trust is not in anybody in the office, but is in Jesus Christ, right? And that's why I think we're in a good direction, all right? So we're, we're going to continue that. We talked about that, and we're going to continue on with that. We're going we're to pray for whoever's in the office, right? Whoever our leaders are, we're going to lift them up in prayer, but ultimately our hope is in Jesus Christ. Right? We sang about that. We talked about that. He is our only hope, right, for salvation. All right. So uh, we're going to be praying for our country. Uh, listen, I want to ask you to do more than just pray for our country right now. I want you to. I want to ask you to fast. Okay. Maybe you're gonna. Maybe you're gonna fast food this week. All right. <laughs> maybe you're gonna fast social media. I don't know what God's calling you to fast. Some of you guys, I think, need to fast some social media. You'd be a lot happier. Maybe you're going to fast some news, right? I don't know what God is calling to you, but would you pray about that and fast something? Um, don't fast the Ohio State game, right? You, I'm sure God wouldn't ask you to do that, right? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> All right. But um, seriously, though, we want to fast and we want to pray about everything that's going on and seek God's will and seek God's direction. All right, so will you join me in that? How, how many people will fast something and pray for that? Get on your knees regularly. And it's not just, you know, um, Lord, help the situation. Lord, what are you doing here? Um, Lord, be a part of this situation. We want godly people in office. We want to be people as a country who follow your morality, your morals, and everything like that. But ultimately, our trust is in you. Ultimately, the answer to America being great will not come through the government, period. It only comes through the church, through the message of Jesus Christ, and that needs to be our focus, right? That needs to be our focus. Listen, if everybody gets saved in America, there are no problems, Right? Well, all right, we're, we're imperfect people. There's going to be problems, right? But it, it changes a lot of things. All right? So the, the goal is to build the kingdom of God. That's our goal, 
right now, and that's what we need to be about. All right. Uh, Phyllis texted me this morning. She said Laura is still in the Cleveland Clinic and on oxygen. Praise the Lord, though, that her kidney is doing well. We were worried that this, through this, that her kidney would get rejected, but it is doing good. But we still want to lift her up. Jeannie is in a Bellevue Hospital, getting ready to be transferred to Toledo. She was out of intensive care, though, so that's a praise. Um, and Daniel's going to have a CT scan for his lungs on January 13th. January 13th. Wednesday? Wednesday, January 13th. So we want to lift him up. What other prayer requests do we have? If there's any prayer requests in the chat, Nathan, wherever you are, you let me know. All right, but any? Yeah, Sharon? Okay. Bobby Hart's? Yeah. Okay. Parkinson's. Yeah. Okay. Bobby Hart's passed away. Former dispatcher for the city of Willard. Yeah. Okay. John is dealing with a, a breakup in the, the marriage. They've split, and we want to pray for, pray for that family, right? Yeah, Daniel. Yeah, I forgot to mention uh, my sister Sheila. She's going to be going in on a Tuesday after this to have a major surgery on her stomach. Okay. Okay. All right. We'll be lifting up Sheila. Yeah, Lee. Yeah. We look forward to seeing you again, Carolyn and family. Right? We look forward to seeing a lot of people again. Joan. Okay. Is that from your breakdancing routine that you tried to do in the parking lot? All right. It's good to see you. Good to see you back. Yeah. Yeah, Doug.
Definitely. We will definitely be praying about that. Thank you. All right. Anything else? Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the ability to still gather and to come and to fellowship together. Lord, I pray that we would be an encouragement to each other. I pray that you would lay things on our hearts that other people are dealing with and that you would help us to reach out and be there for each other. I pray that um, for the people that can't gather right now, I pray that your spirit would be felt by them, that you would remind them that they do have a church family that loves them and is thinking about them and that if they need anything, all they have to do is call or to ask, Lord, and that we would gladly serve them as well. Give us those opportunities. Father, I pray that you would give us opportunities to talk to people about you, about your goodness, about salvation. Lord, I pray that you would guide our conversations. I pray that we wouldn't think that things are just happen by chance when we meet somebody, but that we would pray and seek your leading in these things. Lord, I pray for the, the, the physical ailments that people are dealing with, Lord whether it be COVID or, or resulting from COVID, um, deaths, Lord, uh, you know, people that are dealing with stomach issues, Lord, I pray that um, you would just strengthen them, that you would touch them. We pray for your healing on them and that they would be restored, Lord. Or if the healing is not your will, I pray that you would give them a strength, Lord, and that you would just use these situations. If they don't know you, I pray that you would use these situations to draw them to that saving knowledge. And if they do know you, I pray that you would strengthen their faith through these as well. Lord, we pray for marriages. that Right now, I know marriages are being beat up severely with what's going on with COVID and everything like that. Lord, I pray that you would heal these marriages, that you would reunite these people, and I pray that they would, they would give these marriages to you and trust you with them, Lord. Lord, I pray for this, this Bible club. I pray for the Willard Bible Club and this Bible club that you would work it out, that you would provide a way, Lord, and it sounds like that you are already doing that and that you are even blessing that. So, Lord, I pray that these kids would hear about you and give their lives to you. Lord, I pray that you would give the people that are administering them wisdom. Lord, I pray that your word would speak loud and true. I pray that you would give the, the people that are speaking to these kids a boldness. I pray that you would anoint them as well. Father, I pray that these kids' hearts, I pray that our hearts would be soft to your leading. Lord, speak through your word. Open our eyes and our ears to your message. Lord, we want to hear from you. Father, we, we give you this club and just ask you to bless it. Lord, I pray for um, Joan with her MRI and CT scan and Daniel as well. Lord, I pray that you would touch them right now and that everything would come back fine and that you would just provide a healing if there is anything going on in these situations, Lord. 
Lord, we give you all praise. Father, there's people in here that are exciting about what's happening with our country. There's people here that are devastated about what's happening with our country. Lord, would you help us to just put our faith and our trust in you, Lord, and in you alone. We seek you. We seek, Lord, I'm not interested in, in seeing our country change from the outside in. Lord, I know that the only lasting change comes from the inside out. So, Father, I pray that you would use your church to be salt and light to a very dark world, to a very dark country, that you would use us to win people's hearts. Father, we know the harvest is plentiful. Help us to be the workers. Guide us in this. Give us opportunities. Lord, call all of your churches to be the body of Christ. Lord, to be unified into this. Father, I pray that we would not shrink away from this. I pray that we would not stand for, for anything to be done to your word or to soften your word or change your word, that we would just be, we would be bold, Lord. We pray for your will to be done in whatever is happening, Lord, and we trust you with this. Father, help us to be on our knees, praying for our country, praying for the people in our country, Lord. Lord, we just praise you and we love you. In your name we pray, amen. amen. You may be seated. Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 3, we're going to be in Acts chapter 3 and 4. Acts gives the account, if you're not familiar, of the birth of the church, the growth of the church. Acts chapters 1 through 12 are kind of like Peter's ministry or the Jerusalem church. It tells how the church got started and grew. And then uh, chapters 13 through 28 are more kind of Paul's ministry or the missionary uh, effort to spread the church through the, to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter 1 starts off, and Jesus has died, rose again, and he is appearing to his followers. He is talking to them. He tells them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Holy Spirit. And there are a group of about 120 people. That is the church, right? That is the church at this time, largely 120 people. Chapter 2 gives account of the Holy Spirit's coming at Pentecost. While they are gathered together, the Holy Spirit comes, shakes the room, and fills each person. That's what the Bible says. Fills each person. They go out speaking in other languages. They're able to talk to all these other people who are gathered in Jerusalem for this festival going on. And each of the people groups hear them in their own language. Peter then goes on and preaches a sermon during this festival. Um, think Mardi Gras. All right? That's what's going on in Jerusalem. Peter preaches during something like Mardi Gras, and the Bible records that 3,000 people believe and are baptized. Amen? 3,000 people believe and are baptized. And that is the end of, of, of Acts 2. Um, and I want to just read the ending, though. Verse 42 it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. 
They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. All right? So we have an idea of what the church was about, what the church was focusing about. And that's what I've been praying. What should we be about? Where should we be focused? And and that's why we're in Acts. We're going to see what's going on here. So this is the birth of the church. We're going to move on, though, from this to chapter 3 because I see some parallels to what was happening in chapter 3 and 4 to what's happening today. And there are some things that we need to realize There are some things that we need to be aware of. And there are some things that we need to make sure that we are on the same page as far as being this church, right? I I don't want to do things in this church. I don't want us to do things just because we've always done these things. Let's evaluate everything that we do. And let's ask, is this the direction that God wants us to head? Is this being led by the Holy Spirit? All right, so would you stand with me in honor of God's Word, starting chapter 3, verse 1. It's going to be a long passage. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them to the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us? As if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk. No. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified His servant Jesus. You handed Him over to be killed and you disowned Him before Pilate. Though he had decided to let him go, you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that he has completely healed him as you can see, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know you acted in ignorance as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what He had foretold through all the prophets, saying that His Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that He may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must must receive Him until the time comes for God to restore everything." as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. 
For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophet and the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring, all the peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. You may be seated. So in chapter 3, Peter and John are heading to the temple, and as they're walking, they pass a person that is lame, a lame beggar who is at least 40 years old. He asks Peter and John for money, right? Peter stops, bend down, bends down, and he says, look at us, right? Look at us. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And then we, we read, Peter grabs his hand and helps him up, and instantly the guy's ankles and feet become strong. He starts walking and jumping, right? Isn't that what you do if you were lame and all of a sudden your legs were strong? He starts walking and jumping and praising God in the temple courts. Of course, this draws a crowd. Everybody recognizes him. They recognize him because he's been there for decades begging for money. And the people start praising God. And Peter doesn't waste an opportunity. Right? So Peter preaches his second sermon. His second sermon was very familiar or similar to his first sermon. He tells the people the truth about themselves. He offers a pardon. And then he demands a response. That ends chapter 3. And we're going to pick up in chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Listen to verse 4 because it's a little crazy. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and a number of men came to about 5,000. 5,000. So picture this. Peter's preaching, all right, up in front of some people. Near the end of it, he's arrested, all right, and he finishes the message, and while the the people are taking him away, 5,000 people respond to the message. Could you imagine that happening in here? Could you imagine somebody getting up in front of you and preaching a message? And while they're preaching, they come and start hauling that person away to jail. And he gives the the invitation and 5,000 people still respond. And that just tells us the men. What about the women? What about the, the children? I hope we see that the power of the Holy Spirit was in this situation. It must have been, right, for 5,000 people to respond in this manner. And here's the truth that I want us to learn. Um, how, how this situation, how it applies to us. We have to, we have to understand that whenever the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached, there will be men and women who receive it and are grateful for it and for the offer of a pardon. Right? But here's what we need to know. There will also be people who are offended by the idea that they need a pardon. Those people, just like back then, will seek to marginalize, will seek to persecute or destroy those who embrace such a way of thinking. 
It was true then, it's true today, and we're seeing this more and more. My friends, God meets mankind wherever they are, whether it's Mardi Gras, whether it's here, right, a barley festival. When God meets mankind, He always tells them the truth about who they are. Hey, you are a sinner. You are not a good person, right? Many get offended, but for some, we are relieved when we hear this. We're relieved when we hear this. It's kind of like when you've hidden something for years and years and years and it finally comes out. You're almost relieved because that burden is lifted. When we encounter God, it's the same thing. He outs us. And it's a relief. I am a sinner. There is nothing good about me, right? I love this thir- the third song which lined up exactly with what Adria was talking about. And my friends, I don't know about you, but it feels good to no longer have to pretend that I am a good person. It was a relief for me when God encountered me, when God came to me. Aren't you exhausted trying to make your marriage work? Exhausted trying not to lash out at your children? Exhausted trying to break an addiction? Exhausted trying not to fly off the handle? And God shows up, hey, you make a crummy God, right? Little G, you make a crummy God and you're ruining your life. That was a relief to hear that. Because I was trying to break those habits. I was trying not to blow up. I was trying not to ruin my life and other people's lives around me. I'm trying to be a better version of myself. But guess what? It wasn't happening, Right? It wasn't happening. You keep hoping things are going to change, but you just keep falling down. And then God comes along and says, hey, you got a wicked heart. you got a wicked heart. You're a slave to sin. But guess what? I'm going to offer you a pardon. And if you take it, I'll give you a new heart. I'll give you a new life. I'll make it so that you're no longer a slave to sin. There's the offer. And usually you have people that are like, thank God, I will take it, right? Or you have people to say, I don't need it. I don't want it. That's it. Those are the responses that we see. They're offended by that offer of a pardon and forgiveness. No, I am a good person. I don't need you, God. I don't need that offer. I'm not talking about just about people who are offended by what we believe or what the Word of God says, maybe in regard to moral positions. I totally understand why somebody would be offended by our beliefs about marriage or sexuality. I totally get that. But here's the thing. It's often not about that. They're really offended by Jesus. Jesus. It's Christ Himself that they're offended by. They're okay with the idea about God. They're not taking... They're not offended by Buddha. They're not offended by Mohammed. They're offended by Jesus. You ever, you ever notice that? It's Jesus that people... Man, you mention Jesus' name to some people, and they just get irritated and ouchy and mad, and, and they don't want to have anything to do with that. Um, I was watching, I think it's Kurt Warner. He played for the Rams quarterback. Kurt Warner, uh, good Christian guy. And he would give interviews and he said, I would try to put a mention of Jesus Christ like in the middle of what I was talking about because I knew if I put it on the ends, they'd just cut that part off of my interview, right? Guess what? They cut it off from the middle too. 
And that's what we see today, right? Look at Tim Tebow and all the negative, how people just hate him when he mentions Jesus. What's the deal with Jesus? It's because the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ confronts us in our sin. And it points out we are not good people. It points out that we are selfish. It points out that we are playing God, pretending to be God. We believe that we know what's best for us. And we're confronted with the one true God. The gospel shows up and says, you're broken. You don't belong on the throne and you can't fix yourself. You try, but you can't. And that's offensive to people. Paul calls these people insolent opponents. Insolent opponent. An insolent opponent says, I don't care about the facts. This is my position. This is a popular thing in our day and age in our culture. We talk about people who believe or take their feelings over facts. That's not something new. That's just happening in our culture. That happened back then. Look at verse 15. All right? But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another. Get this, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And we can't deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them not to speak no more to anyone in this name. Do you hear the insolent opponent here? Do you hear, hey, we can't deny the power of Jesus Christ. We can't deny that something miraculous happened, right? Christ healed this lame guy who has been lame for 40 years. We can't deny it. But how can we keep it from spreading? That's it. That's the same thing that's what's happening today. Do you see the insolence? Do you see the audacity in that? It's the default position of our hearts. I don't want to believe that, so I'm not going to. That's it. I don't want to believe it, so I'm going to figure out a way that I don't have to believe it. I'm going to find a way so that I don't have to believe it. The evidence is <laughs> to believe is right there in front of these people. And yet it doesn't enter into their minds. Maybe this Jesus is real. No, it's how do we stop this? How do we marginalize this? How do we make this look silly? How do we get rid of this? How do we make sure this dies? How do we make them look foolish? That's the goal. You look at Jesus' interactions while he was in the flesh dealing with religious leaders. They witness the miracles, right? They see Jesus, they see Jesus hearing, healing a paralyzed man. Remember when the guys, uh, his friends lower him through the roof and Jesus heals them right in front of some religious leaders. They see him heal the blind. They see him heal lepers. They see him cast out demons. And what's their response? They constantly are trying to find a way to trap him. They're always asking him questions to see if they can get him. And they never do, right? It never clicks. It never clicks, hey, maybe this is who he says he is. Maybe we should investigate this person and find out what, what they're really about. They never do that. Instead, it's like, let's try and get them. Hey, Jesus, what do you do with, uh, should we pay taxes? Right, good question. And what's Jesus say? Anybody's got a coin? Whose image is on that? 
And they're like, Caesar's. All right, well, give what to Caesar. Give to Caesar what's Caesar's and give to God what's God's. Right? Checkmate. That's what happens when you test an all-knowing, all-powerful, sovereign God. He doesn't lose arguments. But instead of saying, hmm, maybe this guy knows what he's talking about. No, no. They huddle back up. Hmm, that didn't work. Let's figure out another way to trap Jesus. Right? And they, so they come at him and they come at him and they come at him. And it's because of the fundamental posture of the culture that we live in today, it's the same as it was back then. It's, I don't want to believe, so let me find a reason not to believe. Versus, let me check this out. Have you ever noticed the debate about evolution? Right? The debate today and in recent years has, has been like, man, the more that we learn about cells and the more intricacies that we see, the more evolution just doesn't make sense. But they're hanging on to it, right? So much that they invented this theory. Well, maybe our planet was seeded by aliens. That's a theory today. Maybe our planet was seeded by aliens because we can't explain this. You'll believe in aliens, but you won't believe that there's a God of the universe, right? They don't want to believe. And as I'm pointing fingers at everybody else, sometimes we don't want to believe things too. Right? Well, I don't, I don't really think that's what God says or what he means, so I'm just going to soften that. Hmm. Verse 17. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But get this. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Amen? Peter nails it. I love this because Peter failed the test before this. Right? You remember when Peter denied even knowing Jesus three times? He denied this. And in a merciful act... Of God's grace, God gives him a chance to take the test again, and he nails it. He passes. He doesn't deny it. He doesn't waver at all. He's like, hey, you decide what's right, right, for us to obey God rather than you, but I can't help speaking to what I've seen and heard. I don't think we understand the weight of this but because we can't imagine in America a scenario that where we've been arrested and we're standing before a judge or a consulate. And the judge says to us, hey, you're no longer going to speak or teach or preach about this Jesus. But I hope that if that day comes, or I hope our response right now is, hey, you decide what we're doing is right. You make that decision, but we're going to keep on doing it. We're going to keep on talking about Jesus. We're going to keep on telling people what Jesus has done for us. I mean, isn't that contempt of court? On a bad day, that might be some time in prison. We see in other parts of the world, it's a long time in prison. Sometimes worse. And they're being threatened by the established power of their day. Verse 19. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man 
on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. My friends, we live in a world where Christianity is not popular and is not getting any better anytime soon, right? It is hated. It will become more hated. And one of the questions that you're going to have to wrestle with and one of the questions that we're going to have to wrestle with as a church over and again is when that pull comes, when that pull comes on you, are you going to go with the desire to please people or are you going to stay true to God? You're going to have to, be, you're going to, have to decide whether or not you're going to be rooted in the gospel, trusting God's word, And if you do, if you make that decision, I'm telling you, you will lose friends. Right? You're going to have a lot of Facebook friends unfriend you. You may lose family members. You may lose your job. Or who knows what else is coming in the future. You're going to have to decide whether you stand firm or whether you sell out. And it's going to be tough. Right? It's going to be tough. Proverbs 29, verse 25 says, The fear of man lays a snare but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Can I remind you of that? Whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. The fear of man, the desire to please man, to be accepted by man, for them to applaud us, for them to like us, hey, it's a trap. It's a trap. It doesn't work. The desire of I want to be liked, I want to be accepted, actually makes you a slave to their approval. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Doug gave me this scripture last week, John 12, 42 through 43. Thank you, Doug. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, talking about Jesus, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. That's a choice we're going to have to make more and more in this day and age. They believed in Jesus, but they didn't want to make it publicly known because there might be some social consequences for that. (laughs) That's true today, right? Today, this is a battle for us. Do I stand? Do I speak up? Do I share the truth or do I just stay quiet? You see people, famous people taking stands on social media and social media crucifies them, right? Google, Facebook, Twitter, man, they love to censor Christianity. They label it hate speech. You're not free to share your beliefs if they do not line up with their way of thinking. The guy who plays Mr. Bean, I don't know if you saw his quote, said it's important that we're exposed to a wide spectrum of opinion. But what we have now is the, is the digital, digital equivalent of the medieval mob roaming the streets looking for someone to burn. So it is scary for anyone who is a victim of that mob, and it fills me with fear about the future. Mr. Bean. Same way back then as it is today, though. It's no surprise. Don't talk about Jesus. Don't share about this Jesus. And you have a choice. Do I buckle or do I stand? 
Do I stand for God's word and be painted as intolerant? Painted as those who hate? Painted as those who are bigots? Or do I bail? Popular thought just a little while ago used to be, you can have your faith, just keep it to yourself. That used to be the popular thought just a little while ago. But actually, it's, it's not even that anymore. You can't even believe that. You can't even believe what you want to believe. You have to believe what everybody else believes. What we live in today, though, is no surprise to God. It's no different than what other Christians have to deal with. And my friends, many Christians deal with a lot worse, right? There's Christians getting their heads chopped off. There's Christians who are losing their businesses, losing their families, having their kids taken away from them. So how is the church then to operate in a culture that is increasingly hostile to what she believes and embraces? Look at the response in in this situation. Look at verse 29. They've been threatened and released. Now they're back with the rest of the disciples and they begin to pray. And now look, Lord, upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Amen? They prayed for boldness and then they walked in it. And that needs to be our prayer today. If we don't, this church will die. There is a ton of history to back this up. When you're in, a, in an environment where the Word of God becomes offensive, there's a tendency to try and soften it, to try and change it in order to win people to Jesus because we think, oh man, that's going to be offensive. People don't want to hear that, so let's just soften it. Let's just change it. But that, my friends, is when the church dies. In these cases, the church often moves to social justice type issues and focuses on that. Let's help the poor. Let's serve people. Let's do good deeds. All these things are awesome, right? All these things are what we're called to do. But if the gospel does not accompany this, there is no hope. Jesus is offensive when he tells somebody they are not a good person. And needs saved. And when a church shies away from this, when a church shies away from a person's greatest need, it seeks, it quits being the church. We can never do that. We have to hold each other accountable for that. To neglect a person's greatest need, to simply just engage with their felt needs, does nothing in the long term to change a person's heart their situation, or the world around them. It does nothing. We are to be bold. And yet, don't miss this, all right? We are also to be gracious. We are also to be people full of grace. We tend to be one or the other. That's the pull. Either we're super gracious. I don't know if you can be super gracious or too gracious. All right? But sometimes there's a tendency in that case to soften the message. 
so it doesn't offend people because we love people and care about people, right? That doesn't work. The other tendency is to be so bold that there is no grace in us, and we just point out sin and, and point the finger at other people and don't realize that we are sinners too, right? Or we were sinners before we encountered a true and loving God who saved us. So we need to be people of grace and truth. I, I want to put that on our walls. Grace and truth. There has to be that coming together in our attitudes towards people. We believe the Bible teaches this about sexuality. We believe the Bible teaches this about marriage. We will stand for that, but we also have to realize that people have been beat up. People have been abused. Right? We need to speak the truth, but we need to do it with grace. And so many times there is no grace with our mouth. So many times there is no grace with what we put on social media, right? Grace and truth. My friends, we are the people that intertwine our lives with people, right? Remember the branch life? We intertwine our lives with people. We lift people up. We don't cut them down. We offer grace. We, we make sure, though, we stand for truth. Verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were, were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. I love this. The people of God, the church of Jesus Christ, are a people, not just a person, but a people marked by generosity. We're generous We're generous with our money, with our possessions, but my friends, we're also generous with our time. You see, the church of Jesus Christ, we're willing to be around the most difficult people because we want them to find hope, want them to find grace. We're willing to walk with them. We're willing to do life with them. And we're in it for the long haul, right? There are people who struggle with things and they will struggle with things for a long time. And we don't tell them, hey, you got to get cleaned up before you can be a part of this church. Hey, you got to take care of this in two weeks. We'll give you a month maybe. And if you keep falling down, we're done. No, we're in it for the long haul, right? We intertwine our lives with people. We rally on people. We love people. We serve people. We encourage them. We pick up the box and help them carry it. And my friends, if you're a person who struggles with something, this is the place to be. Not this building, but this family. Last thing, verse 33. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Not only are we a generous people, but we are storytellers. We are testifiers. When man praises us, we explain how it is really God working through us. It is really God doing things. We give glory to the one that jumped into the pit and made a way to get out of it. The one that was crucified and is alive today. We tell people that he offers 
grace to all those that will accept it. And we tell people what that looked like in our own lives. We testify to the goodness and grace of God. My friends, we are storytellers. And we have one thing to praise, and that is not us. Amen? Stand with me. My friends, I am, I am confident the days are going to get darker. And there will become some extreme things, extreme pushes. But my friends, it is important for us to be people of grace and truth, to be bold, but also to be loving. We cannot compromise the Word of God. You young people... You cannot compromise the Word of God. It is something to stand by. It is something that lights our path and shows us the direction and helps us to navigate this world. It shows us what we're doing wrong. It tells us what needs to be changed, but it also tells about the great love of a God who died for us and who makes a way. But then there comes a call, a call to repentance a call to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and to confess it before each other, before this world. We need to be people of grace and not hate people who hate us. We will love them. We will pray for them. We will long for them to know Jesus Christ. And we will tell people about a God who loves them and calls them to repentance. And we will extend that offer of grace. We will do whatever we can to make that truth known. Amen? I'm not going to say a woman, all right? Just amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this privilege that we have to be a part of what you've already done in our lives. Lord, help us to be compassionate. Help us to look at people. Help us to look at our enemies and love them. And long for them to come to know you. Give us opportunities to speak your truth. Lord, I pray if there's anybody in here today and they realize, hey, I'm not a good person. I do need to be saved. Lord, I pray that they would give you their lives that they would trust You, that they would accept You as their Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that they would not hide that, that they would confess it. Lord, I pray that they'd grab somebody in here and tell them about You. Father, I pray that they would tell all their friends and their family members about You and the choice that they've made. Help us to all be people of repentance. Help us to all be people that put our faith and our trust in You. Lord, we love you and we give you all praise. Guide us. Guide us in the way that you would help us. You would have us go. Give us opportunities. Father, help us to be in step with your Holy Spirit or get us out of the way. Father, we just give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.